Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Everybody and welcome to another spoiler review here for Secret Invasion, brought to you by the Geek Buddies. Hey, Shannon's been abducted by scrolls. <laughs> Shannon is a scroll. We always knew it. The dad jokes that should have been the dead giveaway. Should have been the dead giveaway, but no. Uh, he has been abducted. We shall see when we'll get him back. Uh, and who knows, judging from how they're offing people on this show, we may never see Shannon McCall again. Well, Michael, it's certainly a possibility. Well, but yes. That would sure be a shame because we would really miss those horrible, horrible jokes. Wow. Wow. There we go. There's the start. Well, anyway, we're here to talk about episode four here. Beloved of Secret Invasion, the shortest episode of the series, I am the outlaw John Broca. That is Michael Vogel, and we're just going to jump into this thing. Uh, basically, this uh, episode here, picking up where we left off, Gaia, and this is a spoiler review. So if you haven't seen the show, go and watch it. Come back and join us. Gaia is alive. She's now got extremists in her. Uh, we see that Fury uh, finds out that Rhodes is a scroll, which everyone pretty much suspected. We have a scene with with uh, 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 Rhodes and. And uh, Priscilla and Vara. Then we have Fury and Priscilla and Vara's relationship explored. Uh, and then an attack on the president and the death of Talos to end, or Talos, however you want to say it, to end uh, this particular episode. Michael, um, the, as I said, the shortest, are you all right over there? There's a lot of grumbling around. Yeah, there's a lot of microphone, uh, <laughs> a lot of wardrobe malfunctions happening over here this afternoon. It's been a wild day. It's been a wild day, everybody. Um, thir- shortest episode of the series, 32 minutes, yet. Um, arguably could have benefited from way more minutes establishing a little more foundational stuff going on with these relationships. In my opinion, your thoughts overall, episode four, Beloved Secret Invasion. You know, I think I'll give you the pro and the con of Secret Invasion to me Ooh. at this point with okay. two episodes to go. Uh, the pro is some of the best scene work that I've seen in the Marvel Universe period. You take two actors and you put them in a room together Agreed. and you let them go and across the board, uh, just, there's just some great, great, I mean, there's been great scenes, uh, you know, Talos and, and Fury on the train, yeah. um, you know, Rhodey and Fury in the restaurant mm-hmm. and this, this episode, which I would like to call how Fury got his groove back <laughs> is you get, 
you get a really great you get two really great fury priscilla scenes just the two of them you get some nice roadie priscilla stuff you get roadie and fury like there's just like you get uh uh talos and gaia on the bench like when you let two really good actors just have a scene and have that happen that's where secret invasion really gets me i'm like man this is some good good work yep i think and this is an overall thing with marvel television and this, I know that you've said this throughout, like you always feel like we want to dive in more. We need more episodes. We need more time. But I think the real issue is Marvel doesn't know how to do TV. And so a lot of Marvel TV ends up being a movie. And the problem is a two hour movie is fine. And you're yeah. like, okay, this was two hours. I got what I needed. I got the character development, but a six episode series, you really want to get into character stuff. And they kind of do this thing all I don't want to say across the board, but with a good portion of Marvel TV series where you have a strong start, your act one is great, and then your act two, they're kind of like, oh, we got all these episodes. And so they end up kind of filling it with stuff, and we get just enough that it leaves us wanting more, Yeah, but we're not quite satisfied. And then we wrap it up, and we're like, oh, that was a kind of decent ending. Okay, I liked where it ended. Um, But I think that one of the reasons that WandaVision, to me, is still one of the best marvel shows even though it was the first is because given the nature of the show where each episode was a different era of television it it's forced the entire writing team was forced to think of it as a tv series where each episode had its own vibe right secret invasion feels like it would have been a fucking epic ass two and a half hour marvel movie but then at six hours, they've stretched it out. And some characters like Olivia Coleman, I miss and I want to see more of. Yeah. Some stuff I'm like, I could see less of. And it just, it kind of just doesn't have the right pacing to me. That's kind of where I'm feeling it at this episode now with two left to go. Yeah, I think I read um, a review, I think from Kirsten Howard. I think that's who it was over there in Denny And I think what she said was really great is there's a lot of, man, I wish they'd done this. Uh, or, or not a lot of, I wish they had spent more time with this so I could feel this. And I think that's what I'm sensing now. And look, I was giving it the benefit of the doubt for the first few episodes. I'm like, they got to establish the world. We got, I like that there's moving pieces here. Even the last episode was, I was a little bit on the fence on, but surely Shannon liked a little bit more when we did our review. I was like, all right, I'll, you know, I'll give it a little space. But this, this is the episode where I'm like, look, I don't know what's going on here. Why is this a half hour episode at this critical juncture in your six episode series? And you're asking us to commit and feel things for these characters when you have spent little to no time establishing their relationships, establishing their friendships. The Talos Fury thing aside, we still don't feel, we still haven't had a scene with him and Gravik or multiple scenes with him and Gravik. We haven't gone back in time but once. And the stuff with Priscilla and Fury, we are asking us to buy in. Michael, I think you're 100% right. These actors are doing phenomenal work with almost no foundation establishing their relationships and time spent with their relationships. I think that if we had had multiple scenes and time with Fury and Priscilla slash Vara up until that moment, we'd have felt that moment deeply so that when both of them shot their pistols or their guns, we'd be like, oh, fuck, who, what decision did they make? Instead, we were just like, what? Why? What? And then when they both didn't shoot each other, it's like, well, then what was the whole fucking point of this? So to me, well, this was left uh, for me, was left wanting. And then the stuff with Gaia and Talos hasn't, hasn't been established either. We just met Gaia four episodes ago. We've had almost no flashbacks with her and him 
as scrolls or anything established in their relationships, anything with her mom. There's been nothing. But yet we're supposed to sit here and buy this park bench scene that there's some real emotion going on between father and daughter and all of this. And it just feels wanting. It's not for the lack of the actors. I think it's for the lack of the construction of the show. It has not been effective at constructing these relationships so that when these moments happen, you feel them deeply and you're even more impressed with what Marvel was able to do here in the series. And one last thing, what you say about WandaVision, you're 100% right. WandaVision took its time with these characters. It still messed up Tiona Paris. There should have been more time with her. But overall, I think it really hit the mark. So, yeah. Well, but I think it's important to, like, think about it in terms of, like, look, you don't need four hours to fall in love with a character. Like, I didn't say do four. The... I said more time. That, well, no, but what I'm saying, but I'm saying, what I'm saying, we're four, we're four episodes in is what I'm saying. Mm. No. Yeah. We're four episodes in. So what I'm saying is, and this, yeah. I mean, you, you give this critique a lot and I think you're, I think you're right in like what kind of the issue is, but I think your ultimate um, synopsis just, I would push back a little bit on it because we see movies all the time that are my two solution. hours long. You mean my solution? Your solution. Your solution. Yeah, yeah. We see movies all the time that are 90 minutes, two hours, two yes. and a half hours long. And we fall in love with characters yes. and we get relationships and we love it. So the answer is not always, I need more time. The answer is not Marvel should be doing 12 episodes instead of six episodes mm -hmm. and do a lot more character work and explain everything in the world. That's not always the solution. I think what the issue is, is that they, they kind of Marvel TV shows fall somewhere in between a movie structure and a TV structure. Mm. And when they don't, so some of the ones that I like more, I think, I think Hawkeye feels mm -hmm. more like a TV show. Like I there's agree. like a bunch of different yeah. things that happen. WandaVision, as we said, it feels like there's different things happening, but the Falcon winter soldier secret invasion, uh, yeah. like anything that is sort of like, Hey, here's the issue. Here's what the bad guy's plan is. Now let's have a bunch of episodes where the bad guy's trying to enact their plan. And we have a big third act where we stop that plan. Yeah. That is more of a three act movie structure. And I think when, when these TV shows split up into a, into sort of that movie structure, you are left with this feeling that you're having, which is the completely valid and correct feeling. I think, which is, I feel it. And it's what you said. The reviewer said, like, I wish I was more invested now, but yeah. I'm not. And it's almost like, they're trying to fill that extra time with a bunch of extra business. So, you know, we didn't, you, you didn't introduce Priscilla until episode three. Yeah. I yeah. No, two, two, two is when she came. Yeah. In. Two. So you're like, okay, so I get this. And then, but, but only in two at the very end, do you get that they're married? Right. So then right. you only have episode three to be like, okay, this is what this is. And then by episode four, they're shooting each other. So yeah. it's, it's, you get this thing where you're like, some stuff is really drawn out like Gravik's plan and what is right, he doing right. and whatever. And then some stuff is like, okay, and then here's this. And then here's guy. It just feels a little bit uneven. Now that being said, uh, as opposed to you, like I thought the scene of them having this whole talk at the dinner, dinner table and not shooting each other was a great scene. Like mm -hmm. I was like, God, this was great. I loved this scene. Mm -hmm. I thought this was super interesting and cool. Loved the tension of the scene. So there's still stuff that I really like about Secret Invasion. But I will say at this point, I think that my Secret Invasion feelings at the end of the day are going to be, I was left wanting more or wouldn't if this, this had been better as a movie is kind of my yeah. vibe. Yeah, I think I'm in the camp in a different direction. I think I'm ending up in the same place you are for sure. Um, so let's break this down storylines-wise. Uh, and, you know, there wasn't a lot, so we'll just dive into the storylines right now. Fury and Priscilla, as we mentioned, we flash back to 2012 when the Battle of New York is happening or just happened and we and made the headlines. And we see uh, them having a conversation there and talking about um, uh, how Fury brought those people together. And then 
Laura is reading a Raymond Carver book of poetry, uh, and she talks about uh, this particular uh, a poem called Late Fragment, and then they has she has a fury go back and forth with her with this uh, poem, and it's kind of laying the groundwork for what's going to go up, uh, going to happen later on in their scene. Um, by the way, this poem was also used in the movie Birdman, which maybe some of the some people may not know or may not remember. Um, and he was mounting a play based on the work of Raymond Carver in that oh. movie. So just a, a little thing. And of the course, that more film. more you know. <laughs> exactly. And that film's about an actor who used to play a superhero now trying to come back. So interesting. Anyway, we cut to cut to the present, and Vara is going to this meeting with Rhodes, where they're sitting in the church. Rhodes tells her she's got to kill him, uh, kill Fury. She says, Well, maybe he'll but die from exhaustion. And the whole time, Fury is listening in, which leads to a conversation uh, later uh, uh, where we see Vara and Fury, as we mentioned here, having this back and forth. uh, Vara explains how she became Dr. Priscilla Davis, which I'm sure is not the first time Fury's heard this story, but I liked the way they did the exposition there. Again, my complaints are not the performances. The performances are great, goddammit. And then they have the back and forth here about all of this, about the scrolls. Clearly, Fury knows about the situation there. And then, boom, they recite the poem, uh, uh, snippets of the poem back and forth to each other, and then leads to the shot, uh, the shooting, and both of them miss. And Fury says, well, should we, I don't know if this means uh, we should get divorced or we should renew our vows. And then uh, she asks him if she ever really, if he ever loved her. And he says, I guess we'll never know uh, if he had preferred her as Vara or Priscilla and then walks off. So, and Fury warns her, you're going to be, you know, you're going to be able, you're going to be okay. And she's like, I, I know what to do. I'll out with them or whatever. So, eh, all right, Mike, that's the storyline. So Fury and Priscilla, <laughs> talk to me. <laughs> I, I love, yeah. I love, and I hope everybody who's listening to this, who listens to our reviews loves the <laughs> difference between John Roca telling you the plot of something he likes <laughs> and telling you the plot of something he's less of a fan of. Because there's a very different vibe, and yes, I true. and I quite enjoy it. Um, yeah, look, I think. Well, I think a couple of things. So let's just break it down first. Yeah, uh, yeah the opening scene, post Avengers, their nice conversation, really lovely, good it's a scene cool work, scene. Yes. Uh, great scene. You kind of are like, okay, we're setting up wherever this is going in in, in real time. Cool, and then you have the scene with her and Rhodey, which, given the way they set everything up. Not surprising. You're like, all right. You know, I do think with the roadie thing, now a lot of people picked up. I did not the first time around, but then yeah. I saw on Twitter when when roadie and Nick have their scene in the restaurant, which yeah. we were all big fans of, he calls him Nick. Yes. And not Fury. And a lot of people picked up on that. I didn't. So that's like clue number one. But then like by the time you get to the end of last week's episode and Priscilla gets the call and it's Rhodey, and you can clearly hear that it's Rhodey, you're like, okay, Rhodey's a scroll. So then him sitting down here in the church, you're kind of like, yeah, okay. Like, you get the information that he's like, Gravik wants you to kill Fury, which is new information, but I just feel like this giant, hey, Rhodey's a scroll. Yes. It it just kind of feels like they didn't stick that landing in a way that had everybody on Twitter going, oh my God, Rhodey's a scroll. It was kind of like, yeah, okay, I, I saw that coming a couple episodes, it's cool. Yeah. So I, I didn't love that. So, but I like Fury listening in again as a scene. Fury listening in on the two of them, uh, hearing Priscilla say he's past his prime, he's going to die of exhaustion, which is not something you want to hear your wife say. But also, you can tell she's kind of trying to be like, "Hey, why don't we just let him be? Let's not right. kill him." Right. It's a, it was all interesting listening to Fury do all of this. But my other problem, and this is more of like again, my structural problem with the yes. series is we it, it, forget 
the secret invasion, forget the scrolls, forget all of the crazy Marvel action that we want to have. Like sure. the way this show is set up is Fury is coming back to earth after five years. And he's basically got some PTSD from the blip. Right. And everyone is remarking on, you don't have it anymore. You're a shadow of yourself. You're nothing. You're past your prime. And you got this whole thing. And now, like I said, this is the episode where Fury is kind of back on track a little bit. Like he, he's on top of things with Priscilla. He has a confrontation with her. He has the roadie scene. He goes after her to save the president. So he's kind of back, right. but we never had this moment and maybe it's coming, but we've never had this moment where we saw Fury like deal with his shit. Mm-hmm. Yes. And emotionally, like kind of what you want is Fury is not having his not together. Fury deals with his shit. Fury is a badass again. That's the art. And it, yep. and it feels like we sort of jump to him being now. Now that being said, we're not into the final two. So maybe right. that's what's coming. So I could next week be like, oh, that was the scene I wanted. But what about it just the feels, four, first four episodes make you think that's coming? But all right. We'll all see. Right. I'm okay. saying we'll see. Yes. Um, <laughs> that being said. So, you know, following up on uh, the church scene, I think you get really two, two great, two great scenes. Yes. I think that Fury with Priscilla is a lovely scene. Their callback to the poem is lovely. Him just sort of, them just sitting down like this cat and mouse thing. It is that perfect thing because we know that Priscilla is there to kill him. We right. know that Fury knows that. Yeah. And I think the scene wisely doesn't pussyfoot around it for very long. Mm-hmm. Like they don't make them have like this long conversation and then reveal it. Like he hits right off the bat, like you're the biggest mistake I made. Yeah. And I, now you're here to kill me. And they both put their pistols out. And then they have this really nice emotional scene where they're both doing amazing work. To, to John's yes. point, which I do agree with, we don't deserve to care about this relationship nearly as much as we do, as they want yeah. us to, because yeah. we've barely seen it. But these two actors are going a long way towards making it work. Yeah. And then I love the moment where they both shoot and you have that, okay, who died? I'm assuming Priscilla's dead, not Fury. And then when you see her sitting there, you're like, oh, okay. And the fact that neither one of them could do it. Yeah. That, that, that despite all of the cloak and dagger and the fact that Priscilla has been lying to him from day one, neither of them were going to do this. And then, but then that bittersweet ending of her being like, would you have loved me as a scroll? And him being like, Hey, liar guess yeah. we'll never know like yeah. maybe maybe if you had given me a chance but you've been lying to me since day one so we'll never know like lovely beautiful scene right <laughs> yeah lovely beautiful scene but we don't know what var we, we don't know vara we don't know priscilla we don't know them and i think that's the number one thing that i keep, i have problems with the show now very concretely after this episode is that there is no time being spent in establishing vara or self individually outside of oh she's um a talos's lieutenant oh she's fury's wife like there needs to be some there need there should have been time establishing her through the mcu through the mcu we established talos's well, wife certainly consistently in a number of situations here what if we had established that with vara spent more time with her felt this whole situation felt her love for fury so that when these fantastic actors charlene woodard and samuel L. jackson do wonderful work in this in the scene we are so invested in what is going to happen because we've seen Vara do incredible things in multiple times along the MCU. So removing that or, or taking that out of the equation makes it difficult for us to fully, fully dial into the emotional impact of the ending. And it's not because they're they're doing wonderful work. Them as actors have done all the homework that the show hasn't done for us as viewers. And I think that's the difference. So we know these two 
uh, seasoned, experienced, fantastic actors are laying in the groundwork of years of a relationship between these two characters, but we haven't seen it. So they're feeling the impact of what happens at the end. We, I think, for the most part, are not because there hasn't been enough time established with them. And I think that's the frustrating part of this because the bones here are really fucking great. It's the fleshing out that isn't working out 100% and make and it feels incomplete. And I, and I don't like that feeling because this is... Well, this has the potential to be so much more. It does. Well, so here two things. One, I here I agree and I disagree. And here's what I but here's how <laughs> I I agree. Had Vara been a character in the MCU for the past yeah. five six years, and then we got this moment and found out she was a scroll that she was that she had been planning to murder right, Nick right. the whole time was really working for Gravik. That would have been great. Yeah. You do have to give the writers a little bit of an out though that you can't go. They they don't have a Delorean. So no. you get to this point where you're going to do Secret Invasion and they're breaking the story and they're like, we want it yeah, to be yeah. about Nick Fury and we want it to be about – and somebody's like, oh, man, what if Nick's been married to a scroll this whole time? And everyone goes, oh, that's a really great idea. Well, yeah. they can't actually go back and say, well, let's – Mike, I mean, there have been flashbacks throughout this series. So they could have gotten into well, a no, 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 every no, no, episode no, no. And so, so, yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with, so no. So, but what I'm saying is right. to, what, back and, to yeah. what you said, yeah, yeah. I agree that it would have been great had she actually been there and we've right. had years of this relationship, but you can't do that now where you're right. And I think this is maybe a mistake that they made is they kept wanting to have, give these surprises to us. Yes. yes. Oh, look, so-and-so's a scroll. Brody's a scroll. Oh, look, Nick's married. So like I said, we didn't meet Priscilla till the end of episode two. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. You get in front of this in episode one. Fury comes back, uh, you know, um, uh, Talos and uh, Maria Hill find him. Yeah. And all of a sudden Priscilla's there and Talos is like, Priscilla, what are you doing here? And then you reveal it off the bat. And the whole idea that Fury's been married this whole time, that Maria Hill's like, whoa, I didn't even know that. What the yeah. fuck? Like, and then she's in there earlier and you can spend some more time with maybe some flashbacks and seeing right. some things like... And so I think that maybe th if this whole scene, which is a great scene, is where they were going, yeah. maybe they did want to bring her in earlier. So I think – but those are the things, and particularly with something like the Marvel Universe where you're like, God, really wish we had thought of this five years ago. We could have really <laughs> laid some groundwork for this thing. So you can't always do that. But yeah. to your point, what you can do then is say, man, maybe it's important to bring Priscilla in earlier yeah. in this series, even yeah. if it's just an episode or two. Uh, to really give this relationship some more weight. Yeah. I, I think each one of these episodes should have been 55 minutes to an hour. I really do. I think they should have been. There is no excuse for a 32-minute episode in the middle of the series. Like, it just makes no sense. Unless you've done incredible work in the first three episodes, establishing these relationships very firmly and concretely beyond, hey, they're married. Like, that's simple. That's baseline screenwriting 101. It's more like, well, what is the relationship? What has gone on between them? What are the years? Because again, as I said, these two actors are bringing all the emotion here and they've clearly done their homework in their connection. Oh yeah. And what have you. So that's the thing. Kyle Bradstreet, damn good writer, singularly in these scenes. It's the overall construction of the series that I think is where he has some failings as a writer overall. 
constructing and making these things connect. So, um, all right, let's uh, let's take a quick break, dude. And we'll actually no, let's jump into the Gaia situation. Gaia and uh, and uh, um, Talos and uh, Gravik a little bit. So we see at the beginning of this episode, Michael, uh, she's not dead as many everybody predicted pretty much. She and we see a flashback to her all of a sudden hastily putting the extremist formula inside of herself uh, and uh, going out, getting shot, and clearly being able to control the extremists because she didn't heal herself until after Gravik leaves, but then Gaia later meets with Talos and wants to know the plan. Now that her skull cover, scroll cover has been blown, Talos reveals this plan that is basically they're going to go to the president and they're going to say, you know, we're going to take down the scroll resistance. Then we're going to go to the president and say, we did this for you. Give us some amnesty, uh, which guy is like, what? Don't you want to live in your own skin? Don't you want to walk your own, uh, be yourself? And um, Taylor says, well, no, you know, it's been a long time. Captain Marvel still hasn't found a planet for us. So we've got to learn to work with the uh, humans and they're going to accept us because we're going to show them our hearts. And Gaia says, uh, yeah, I don't think I don't know what you're talking about. We can't keep doing this. It's never going to happen. I see Gravik's point of view. I believed in it because you were my dad, but I've seen Gravik's um, point of view is more valid. And then she says something about it's disgusting and then walk or it's, she leaves in disgust and walks away from Taylor. So um, your thoughts here, Mike, on all of this uh, with Gaia putting the extremists uh, being alive and then this scene with her on the park bench, which, by the way, mirrored Donald Sutherland and Kevin Costner and JFK on that park bench where they thought, which I thought might be an intentional thing. But what do you think? Interesting. I didn't think of, I didn't, I didn't think I didn't pick up on that, but like mm. I, uh, yeah, like her not being dead was not surprising. <laughs> and again, I mean, that is, that's is the problem is like Maria Hill getting shot in the first episode was like a big, like, Oh shit, they killed Maria Hill. Yeah. Some of these other things since then, you're kind of like, yeah. So like they shot her and I was like, I don't think she's dead. And so then you get to this episode and you're like, yeah, here you go. Um, so it, it didn't quite, you know, thrill me. But also I think, and again, to this point, it's like, I don't, I, I don't know that any of us are super invested in Gaia. Isn't that a problem though? She's the daughter of Talos. This should be huge. Well, and it's well, Amelia the, Clark. Well, but here's a problem. And again, this is, this is kind of what happens in a writer's room. So yeah. What do you what do you think the audience should be caring about? We're four. We've got four, we were four hours in. Yeah. Are 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 we more invested in Talos and Fury, uh, Fury and Priscilla? Yeah. Talos and Gaia. Like, who do we who who am I really caring about? Because clearly, and I mean, because this isn't just you and me. Like, I was reading yeah. some of the reviews. I was on Twitter. Like, clearly, there's this vibe of like, it's good. It's fine. Like, like everything that's happening is like interesting and I love this and there's some great scenes and the performances are solid, but I wish that I was more yeah. into this yeah. and there's just not that general feeling. And again, I'm not saying that you have to get rid of some of these relationships, but like, where are you directing the audience? And I think what's mm -hmm. happening right now is the audience is kind of being directed all over the place to the point where nothing is really jumping out yeah. because kind of everything is happening. So it's yeah, guy is cool. Like she's kind of stuck in the middle. She doesn't agree with Gravik. She doesn't agree with her dad. She's trying to figure things out. She took the extremist. She took the super scroll formula. So now she's got the extremist in her and she can heal. So cool. Yeah. But not great. Now that being said, again, as I said at the top of this episode, yeah. scene with them in the park bench, great. Great stuff. Love this idea of somebody being like, look, this guy is a an extremist yeah but he has a plan he is moving on his plan 
And it's a good plan if if you don't mind the fact that he's going to kill a bunch of people and cause like an world war. Like we will get this planet with Gravik's plan. What's your alternative, dad? My alternative is to ask really nicely if we can stay here. (laughs) And she's like, no. And that in and of itself mirrors the experience of so many minorities, oppressed Mm. people. I mean, there's shades of like uh, Professor X and Magneto in this conversation because it's a conversation that any um, marginalized or or oppressed group has. There is the militant side that says, fuck this, I'm gonna fight for our rights. And there's the side that's like, yeah, let's work within the system. You gotta understand. You know, we're living in a in a Christian world, in a white world, in a straight world. Like, take your pick of what it is. And we got to, like, work within that. You're like, fuck that. Why should we work? And so, like, watching this scene play out between father and daughter, really great, compelling scene. Yeah, and they yeah, both did amazing work. So, again, great scene. Yeah. But you should feel more. And you're right, 100%. I mean, my dad and mom, immigrants to this country, they were very much about learning the English language as soon as possible, integrating themselves into... Uh, into the American culture, the American way of doing things while still retaining their connections to Bolivia and the South American roots for sure. And they certainly taught that with us. But one of the reasons I don't speak with that and I, I don't speak with a Spanish accent is because my parents sat me in front of a TV to watch English language programming from a very, very early age. So I would not have an accent because yeah. they suffered criticism and racism because of their accent and their uh, with the Spanish accent speaking English. So they didn't want me to go through that. And so those are those things. But you know, you're right. But I am much more militant than my parents are, as, as I've been on multiple shows talking about representation, talking about, you know, calling out the white establishment at times, a white power establishment, not all of them, but obviously some in, in power do abuse that towards people of color or, or uh, uh, black people. And so that's the difference. Yeah. Generationally, right. We see that and more and more, but then we see like my parents uh, or my mom and my dad, actually, or my dad and I was around, but my mom, sometimes there's criticism of the, of the new immigrants that come from different countries because they think the United States should bend over backwards for them. And so there's, there's where the separation is, and that's what's causing a lot of these frictions that we see in our society sometimes is people not being properly wanting to find that middle ground in between. And certainly, as you said, and I think very well said, Michael, here's Gaia caught between both worlds. Because what is she going to do when she finds out, as we're going to talk about here in a second, that Gravik killed her father after Gravik has already told her that uh, – after Taylor has already told her that Gravik killed her mother. So yeah. is Gravik going to be the person who essentially orphans um, uh, 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 Gaia? So it's going to be a real interesting thing to see how she reacts to it in these last two episodes. So um, you ask who we're supposed to care about. If you're essentially turning her into someone that's going to take on the legacy of Talos, we should be caring about her a lot more. You know. Well, I don't think that's where she's ending up exactly. But oh, I do really? think she's ending okay. up somewhere. Well, look, you've got Gravik, who is um, extreme. Yes. And you got Talos, who I think, if you watched Captain Marvel, if you like Talos as a character, like a great, lovely character who maybe, you know, his viewpoint, if you want a scroll homeworld, isn't really a viable option either. Yeah. I think Amelia Clark comes out of this as the super scroll who's going to lead her people and kind of rule the scrolls and probably be involved in uh, the Kree scroll war that's going to come in down the line in like phase nine of Marvel. (laughs) You're assuming we get to a phase nine. Well, um, all right, let's. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a big if. It's a big if right now. Let's take a quick break and then we'll jump into the last uh, storyline here with uh, everything involved with the president right after this. 
Rody be drinking, Rody be drinking. Rody got that whiskey on his breath because he be drinking. Rody, you are. I'm going to make up my own songs. Like, I'm not going to do the McClung, let me hum like the proper score. I'm just making up my own. Do your thing, man. Of course. Why not? Um, All right. Let's move on to his last storyline here. Fury shows up at Rhodes' hotel. Apparently, Rhodes is a female uh, scroll, it seems like to me, for the way he had the towel wrapped around. Oh, no, no. Ro- yeah, it's a female scroll impersonating right. Rudy, which I loved. I it's loved it. It's kind of cool. I yeah. already told you, I liked I looked, I looked. liked when Talos turned into that sexy blonde bombshell on the train <laughs> and gave himself a little uh-uh before he uh, got off the train. Like, So that's fair game, man. I agree with that. Uh, Fury brings a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle, which is hilarious. And then uh, Fury pretends that he's trying to get his job back here from Rhodes. Rhodes kind of dis- dismisses him. Fury even says that he's going to put like a location marker inside the liquid, joking with Rhodes. And Rhodes thinks he's, or not, Rhodes, uh, kind of in, uh, I don't know what to say, what kind of uh, foreshadowing that he actually did it, but Rhodes thinks he's messing around. He doesn't have the ability to do it and what have you. And then shows him the video of Fury shooting uh, Maria Hill and saying, what are you going uh, to tell people that an alien did it, that a one-eyed alien imitating you did it? So essentially them both understanding that he knows he's a scroll and he knows that he knows he's a scroll in that ending here. But then Fury and Ta- but we know that he's got that marker that he, that uh, Rhodes just drank inside of him. So Fury and Talos follow Rhodes here to the presidential motorcade. We see the president come off the plane here, meet Rhodes. Rhodes tries to school him on how to deal with the Russians and uh, the president there, Dermot Moroni, smells a little bit of liquor on his breath and says, uh, you've been uh, having half a half a, glass, half a uh, bottle of bourbon there to help you out there, uh, champ? Uh, why don't you stay away and take a drink some coffee there? And so we see that be a little thing that they have to play off and he needs a mint or whatever. But we see the motorcade going forward and then Gravik shows up in helicopters with a bunch of people. They shoot missiles. They attack the president, blow up these this motorcade. Uh, and then a bunch of uh, people show up there. Then Gravik shows up his group power as he jumps out there and somehow still resorts to the simplicity of rifles and helicopters, even though he has all this power. And then uh, Fury and Talos show up, jump out, and apparently these two old men run out there and rescue the president from uh, from uh, Gravik. Talos is sh- Talos is shot in the shoulder, leading to him like being going half. Uh, scroll half human which i thought was an awesome effect by the way um as it was happening and instead of bleeding out he returns to its normal form here and i wrote wouldn't scrolls be seen all the time if this is what happened to them every time they died but you know they age differently so maybe a million of them haven't died yet uh but then we see uh this soldier initially want to shoot talos but then gets talked out of it by fury and then that soldier ends up picking up talos and we're like wait this is way too easily for him to get over his issues with this guy being a scroll. Well, we were right because it's Gravik, which Fury can tell. Fury shoots at Gravik, but uh, Gravik stabs Talos in the heart and Fury shoots at him again, but the extremist heals him. And then uh, uh, Gravon shows up with his motorcycle. They take off and Fury is forced to leave with the president who he has dragged out of there into his car, leaving the scroll body of Talos there to be buried um that's the storyline with that one michael your thoughts on this <laughs> <laughs> well to your point about the whole dying scrolls i did think like even what was it in episode three when they uh took the guy that olivia coleman had been uh interrogating and then they took him out of the car and then shot him in the woods i had literally i didn't i didn't say yeah. it at the time but i was like so they just left a scroll body in the woods <laughs> exactly there's a scroll body so yeah there's a 
hey, it's, uh, in the Marvel comic book universe, there's probably a couple other things that don't quite pass the squint test, but I'll give him that one. Yeah. Um, I do. And again, it's to your other point that I thought was very funny. It is the nature of they're doing this show on TV. And even though Marvel and Star Wars and Disney and everybody can spend way more money than a lot of other people can, there is still some limit where you're like, <laughs> you can't do everything. But yes, it would seem that if Gravik can Groot himself all, like, I'd be Grooting left and right if I could Groot. If he could Groot an extremist, nothing can stop him, essentially. It's like they always say, just Groot, just Groot it. Just yeah. Groot it. Uh, just Groot it. That's what I would, that, um, so yes, I, but cool that he has the Groot powers. Uh, you know, yeah. we saw that kind of coming, but it's kind of cool to see it in action. And I hope that they are saving some of that effects budget for the end so that, uh, Gaia and Gravik can Groot all over each other. Yeah. Um, that is what I want to see. Also, I think extremists, uh, if I remember Guy Pierce, uh, shooting flames out of his mouth, I believe he can do that. So I think in, in, in addition to like healing you, I think there's going to be some flame shooting powers maybe too. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, yeah, I, the roadie fury scene again, as it was literally, it was just the, I'm going to just keep repeating the same thing. Put two of these actors in a room and let them do their thing. And it's great. Yes. The, I love that we never had the admission of anything to your point, Johnny. I love that. Like. It's like, I know, you know, I know, and I know that, you know, that I know, and we're going to keep, and, and you could kind of see those moments. You could yeah. see Rhodey kind of sit back and be like, oh, okay, I don't have to play this this way anymore. I'm going to go straight to being a dick and blackmailing you because you don't even think that I'm Rhodey. So it doesn't matter. So yeah. it was fun to see this sort of pulling back the layers, pulling back the layers, pulling back the layers scene. And I think they both did a really, really nice job. And they did kind of end in this, at least what Rhodey thought, a stalemate, which yeah. is, hey, I know that you're a scroll and you're close to the president. Hey, I made a bunch of copies of this tape and nobody's going to fucking believe you. Stalemate. And I also love, I, I think they probably could have done it a little bit better, but I do love the, I, as an idea, the person being like, hey, what, what do you think I did? Like put a location tracker in the yeah. liquor. And then you're like, Hey, I put a location tracker in the liquor. Like it's a, it's a fun idea that again, like a lot of things here, I think the idea was good. The execution was okay. Yeah. Um, German Mulroney's not a scroll. There I really thought Ritson. I don't think he's just, I mean, I don't think that the way that Rhodey was talking about Ritson uh, and the fact that Gravik's plan was let's kill Ritson. I don't think they're like, let's sacrifice you. Like it does seem like, yeah. like, you know, as we said, and I think we said this in episode one, like we all know uh, that we got president Ross coming yeah. uh, in brave new world, but I guess people are just going to be pissed that Ritson didn't realize he had a bunch of aliens around him. Like, we'll see. It'll be interesting yeah. to see, but right now at or Ritson doesn't make it through the next two episodes. So, uh, still a lot of possibilities, but it does not seem like he is a scroll. That's going to be um, a yeah. tough re-election campaign, Michael. That's going to be a tough re-election campaign. You, you know, let a million I, scrolls live here on Earth under your nose? Yeah. I mean, a million scrolls. You can blame every world leader for that. They're everywhere. It's not just the president's fault. Um, cl clearly, I'm working on the president's PR team right now. You are. But um, <laughs> the whole end sequence, again, and this is just, I, I, I kind of was scratching my head at all this. Like, mm. it's a big scene. Like yes. they spent money on this. Yes. Like this is a big action sequence, but you had a bunch of soldiers in kind of the same outfit, 
Mm-hmm. Same yeah, color schemes, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Kind of running around, and there was a lot of shooting, and Gravik was doing stuff, and then like Talos and Fury are running around, and you got the gist of it. Like you're like, okay, they're gonna try and go get Ritson out of the car, and I agree with you. The whole Talos getting shot, turning back into Scroll partially, like that was really, really well done. That all looked really, really neat, yeah. and Talos really kind of like making that sacrifice play to get Ritson out. All, all really lovely stuff. Like again, the stuff that happened was good, and I like the concept of all of it. Yeah. But it just didn't. Uh, I, I want. I, I, I was left. I felt like I wanted to be more excited. Yeah. Like yeah. I felt like I wanted to be like, oh shit, oh no, oh god, and I was kind of like, oh, Talos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is what's frustrating. Again, the, we ha- the we have had time with Talos and Fury throughout the series, series obviously, and their issues with each other. But the way they're resolving these issues are way too quick. I mean, the last episode, you weren't here for our review. Last episode, all he had to do was tell him, hey, thanks for being by my side. Okay, everything's forgiven. Let's be buddies again. And I get that. That happens in long-term friendships for sure, and I get it. But like in this situation, though, we've only had a certain amount of time with Fury and Talos. We need way more time with them. I'm telling you, this this series would have benefited from being – eight to 10 episodes long. I think it would have worked really, really well to tell the magnitude of the story that they're trying to tell so that even when these moments happen, they are really like, oh my God, no. You know, by the end of the, as you said, you want to feel that more at the end of the episode. And it was all just confusing. And you're going to tell me Fury and Talos, two old warriors are going to be able to run in there and take care of us. It just seemed ridiculous. Superheroes, yes, absolutely. But those two, it just didn't seem to make any kind of sense. And the banging on the window taking forever, just the whole staging of it all. And I agree with you. Like the, you couldn't tell who was on whose side. Like some people criticize the Michael Bay Transformers films because you can't tell who's the Transformer I'm supposed to be watching or cheering for. It all gets jumbled together. And that's what it felt I mean, like. this was better than that, just to be clear. <laughs> all right, fine, fair. But it was still confusing, which yes. makes no sense. And then uh, Fury once again having to leave another soldier in the battle, lying there dead, like Maria getting whisked away yet again, leaving Talos there. So just an odd situation of how many people they're just killing off on this show as the end of their episodes. It just seems like it's becoming a cliche within the series itself that everybody, somebody dies at the end of each episode and it's having less and less of an effect as you're watching it because it feels like a cheap ploy now, um, having it done, three times in this uh, series. Well, and I just, and again, what I keep coming back to, and I could be totally off on this. I don't Mm -hmm. know, but like it, when I think of the things that I love and the movies that I love and the characters that we love, we usually love it because we really know emotionally what's happening. Like Hawkeye, just as an example, uh, again, not perfect. It has its flaws too. Sure, sure, sure. um, But, Hawkeye wants to get home to his family for Christmas. That's the goal. And this Kate Bishop girl gets in the mix and is so in trouble that he is that father figure is like, ah, oh, fuck, I got to help her. I got it. Like, like you understand what's at stake for him. And Kate Bishop understands you have that great scene where she sort of realizes that his family is really missing him. And he's, sacrificing that to be with her and you have these really nice emotional moments and with this we have a lot of people talking about fury mm-hmm. everyone is saying fury's weak he's past yeah, his yeah, prime yeah. he didn't he, he's never been the same since the blip but fury is keeping it all tight and that's part of his character but when yeah. fury is in a captain america movie 
or an Avengers movie or an Iron Man movie. And he's the one that's keeping it close to the vest, but the other character is the main character. It works. But now that Fury is sort of front and center, it's like, I think, and again, this is where you and I slightly disagree is that I don't know that we need more time with Fury and Talos. I think we need different time with Fury and Talos. I think some of their conversations could have been better used to get under the hood of what's going on with Fury a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, had again, and again, I'm not saying that I'm right or smarter than those writers oh. or anything, but had you brought in Priscilla earlier and Talos had never known about that. And he's like, what the fuck? I thought we were really good friends. And he was like, look, that's my personal business. I don't talk to it about cap. I don't talk to, to uh, Tony and I don't talk to you about it. Like this is a me. Th-. Like there's ways you could have gotten into the character stuff a little bit more that I think had they done that a little bit differently, we would have gotten episode four and you would be feeling a little bit less. I need more episodes. You'd be like, okay, there was some good meat here. I want more, but this was really uh, satisfying. Yeah. And we're look, we're about to go into episodes five and six and we still don't know what happened with Gravik and Fury other than Gravik was clearly the solution that Fury took too long to get them a home planet. What is their relationship? Was he the father figure? Was he the father? Did him and Priscilla adopt Gravik essentially? We don't know. And at this point, we're in the last two episodes and I should have that much more firmly established so that I can buy into what's going to happen here in five and six. And we don't have that. And so to me, I think that's also a colossal failure here. It's very akin to not having um, more background with Ben Solo and Luke Skywalker in the sequel trilogy, to have had more scenes with them, more connection of their relationship, see the progression of their relationship as it as it uh, devolved to what it ended up in, into, I think would have done that those uh, trilogy films a wonder of good for them. But here, oh, yeah. that that know, I, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, here, the there's there's not enough time. We still don't know what the graphic and. And Fury issue is beyond. You didn't find me a home for 30 years. Like, there's got to be something more that snapped them. And the fact that he keeps letting Fury live. For fuck's sake, he's Groot. He could have easily shot the root right at Fury and gone through his heart right there and then take off on the motorcycle. It wouldn't have cost him a damn thing. He could have killed the president and Fury right there in that moment and took off on the motorcycle. It wouldn't have cost him anything. So these are the illogical things to me, Mike, that they're asking us to accept in the construct of the series they've presented. Don't get it twisted. I know what, we've got fantastical shit that happens all the time in the MCU, but in the series they presented, it doesn't make sense in the construct. Well, look, I think it's not about something being fantastical or not fantastical. And again, I don't, I get it. I wish you, I wish we could see everyone do everything. I get why Gravik isn't grooting all over the place. Right. But I think to your point, what I agree with is that does Gravik want to keep Fury alive? kill fury like like he's got yeah, Rhodey's telling priscilla Rhodey's telling priscilla that gravik wants her to kill him right but he he has this personal thing like there's just there yeah there's again there's this thing that happens when you're doing this kind of story where you want to keep a lot of stuff close to the vest you want to like have big reveals but i think we're reaching the point now where we know and i think this is part of the dis we all get this around this point in a lot of series mm. either we're super excited about where it's going to end oh shit, what's going to happen next? I am so on board. Or by this point in the six or eight or 10 episode seasons that we get, we're like, oh, I I guess I I want want more. Like, this is not enough. We're about to wrap up and I feel like we're just getting going. And that's kind of how Secret Invasion feels. It feels like it it started strong and you're like, okay, this is interesting. And then it never really hit its stride. Yeah, and I wonder if if, um, Scroll. Rhodes, and 
and I should ask you this before we wrap up here in a second. But Scrodes. 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 Is Scrodes operating on his own in this her or own. her own in this situation? Because Gravik, as you said, it may be that Gravik wants to keep him alive. And certainly two episodes ago, Gravik said, you don't give the man what you want, what he wants, you let him suffer. So Gravik clearly wants to keep Yuri alive, it seems like. So why does Rhodes scroll? What does Scrodes want to kill well, Fury? What is the intention? Is he is she as a scroll going against Gravik? What is the situation here uh, with that? So there is again, we don't know what the purposes of everybody is. They're just kind I of mean, slamming into themselves, and it's not clear. Probably what we're gonna hear is Gravik is gonna say, "I didn't want you to die in the field like a hero. I wanted the person that you loved the most to shoot uh, you, and that's why I wanted her to okay. do it." And you'll be like, "Yeah, okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. So, final question: When do you think Rhodes became a scroll? Is it after Endgame? Um, was it before he had the conversation with Sam in Falcon and Winter Soldier or after the conversation with Sam in Winter Soldier? When did this happen? I think Iron Man 2. Nobody <laughs> realized it was Terrence Howard. It was Terrence Howard, and all of a sudden it was Don Cheadle, and nobody noticed. But, like, guys, it's Don Cheadle. He's a scroll. Son of a bitch. If that's the decision <laughs> we make, I, I, I would appreciate the guts of that decision because it, it would make so much meta and actual sense. And he could be a scroll who was all for helping the humans and have the power. Or, well, he no, clearly is not that. So I no, don't... I think they're going to. It, it it's not they're they're not going to pull a. Uh, they, they're not going to say that this person that is the villain scroll, who's clearly an asshole, yeah. like helped the Avengers stop Thanos. Like they're not going to take that away from Rhodey. Like it's going to be sometime after like now, maybe they're going to say, but that is, I think you just run into those problems too. Like, I don't think we really want the Rhodey that's in uh Falcon and winter soldier for three minutes to be that scroll. Right. Right. Even though, uh, yeah, we, or even though we do want, um, What's her face to be a scroll, and it looks like she's not gonna be Valentina. Yeah, no, 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 that oh. not her. Um, why am I blanking? Who Peggy's Peggy's niece? Peggy's niece. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know uh, Sharon, right? Sharon Carter. Sharon Carter. Sharon Carter. Like I'm, I'm still waiting for Sharon Carter to show up in this series and reveal she's a scroll because the way she acted in Falcon and Winter Soldier was so damn stupid. And I'm like, ah man, are they not gonna give me that? I mean, yeah, and like, and what's up with uh? with um martin freeman like what you know what's up where is there so there's a lot of like they 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 did these things you're like oh um and is and where does fury end up at the end of this to get him back up onto saber for the marvels in november or does the marvels take place before all this yeah they will not tell you they won't tell you when marvels takes place no one wants to say which i think is so weird yeah so it's all a little it's all a little uh as we like to say in the biz hinky it's a little hinky. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame, man. I mean, this, the, you know, the last two phases, man, it's not, it's not going well. It's not going well overall, man. It's not going it's, great, but it's not going terribly. It's just, it's just kind of in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, um, I was, I was flying, I was flying back from the East coast, uh, and I, I was on the plane and I just put on quantum mania for like an hour. I didn't watch the oh, whole yeah. thing. I just like watch an hour of it. And you know, it, there are things that like there, there are, there's rise of skywalkers. 
Sure. There are Rise of Skywalkers that I just think are almost like unforgivably horrible. Hmm. And I don't think that Marvel has reached that point. Like, I think that there's just Marvel's the Marvel Cinematic Universe of phase four and phase five as a whole, which has some highs and some lows and a lot of mids is just sort of like, eh. but I mean, and Shannon has said this, he said this, uh, he said this on, on the shows, on our reviews, but he's also said this when we've just been chatting. It's like, there's just this idea. You think about where we were at, at the end of phase three, you think about that sort of, Black Panther, Thor, Ragnarok, Infinity War, Endgame kind of run into Spider-Man uh, Far From Home. And you're just kind of like, God, that was a great time. We're going to see that again? I don't know. I, I don't know. know. I don't know. Yeah. You know, and so for all the praise you gave, Ke- we gave Kevin, you have to also, you know, kind of uh, give him some dings on this because this has been a... And the arguments that have come up a lot, Mike, and I know we got to wrap up is like uh, he might have legitimately been stretched too thin in the end. He might doing all these extra things eventually might, and they can spread them out all they want. They're still not having the effect uh, that people would like. So we'll see down the road what happens in these next two episodes uh, as we wrap up uh, our review here and find out what's going to happen in Secret Invasion. Um, all right, well, there you go. That's our uh, spoiler review here for episode four, Beloved of Secret Invasion. Thank you all so much uh, for joining us, uh, whether you're on camera or listening to us. Uh, Michael, what do we have to tell them? Um, well, listen, uh, whether you love it, hate it, like it, wherever you're at um we hope you enjoy hearing these conversations because we sure love talking about it when we love it don't love it it's always a fun conversation and you always find stuff to like you always find stuff you wish was a little bit better um but here is what you can do if you like us uh you can uh smash that like button below you can subscribe to johnny's outlaw nation page uh you can leave your comments below what do you think is going on are you loving secret invasion are we way off are you with us on this like what do you think below let us know agree disagree argue debate let us know in the comments below if you are listening to us on the podcast go ahead and leave us some stars and some comments that we go up in the rankings um and if you would like to follow us you can do so on twitter at geek underscore buddies on instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies you can follow john at the roca says you can follow me at mk tune and while you are doing that the best thing that you can do for us is retweet this video post it on your socials send it to your friends and tell them to hang out with your buddies the geek buddies bang there you go i thank you so much mike that was great yeah and look whatever you feel about the show we are not going to tell you to like or not like the show watch it feel the way you feel feel free to comment down below and give us your points of views. We like that. Open discussion is always fun on the Geek Buddies. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. And we'll talk to you next time with another brand new show or another review here on the Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.